Welcome. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. I host a weekly radio show that gets turned into this podcast. This is it. You have found it. If you're an early riser, you can listen live every Monday starting at 7 a.m. on WPRK 91.5 FM. It also streams on WPRK.org, or you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them. Regardless of where you listen, the show is about people from the Orlando area who are doing something neat. Eddie Selliver is the neat person for this episode. Among other things, he is the curator and organizer for Pachacacha Orlando, a pretty unique speaking series here in Central Florida. I'll let him describe the format, but in the meantime, visit toacertaindegree.com for more about Eddie, Pachacacha, and other episodes. And now, on with the show. Jess Williamson on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. I do this every Monday from 7 to 9, and every Monday from 7 to 9, I'm very lucky to have a special guest in the studio with me so that I can speak to him and or her. And today uh, is no exception. Eddie Selliver is here. Eddie, good morning. Hey, good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for being here. Get right up on that microphone. We want to hear you. Your oh, dulcet tones. That? Is yeah. that dulcet enough for oh, you? Oh, it's so dulcet, and you don't even know it. <laughs> no, that didn't really work out as well as I thought. Eddie Selliver is here, among other things, among other responsibilities uh, and things that you do. We'll talk about writing. We'll talk about communication. We'll talk a little bit about life coaching. I want to want to talk a little bit about that as well. Oh, great. The main reason you're here, though, is Pachacacha, volume, version? Volume, volume 25, 25. Amazingly. Is uh, coming up here on February 23rd. And another amazing thing is that not everybody knows what Pachacacha is. So this is a good opportunity really? to is explain that- it and get it out there on the radio because it is a pretty remarkable event that we do, uh, that you are, are sort of run out of the kindness of your heart. This is not a real job for you in terms of uh, like any kind of monetary compensation. No, this it's is really- a nonprofit organization yeah. that is really, really amazing because of the spotlight that it puts on the people of central florida and the stories that they have to tell well you said we and you have every right to say we since you're a former presenter yep talking about bad business ideas well and i would say that anyway because i've i've been to five or six of them and every time it's been you know there's there's always something that i get out of it if not inspirational then a laugh then something to talk about something to think about afterwards yeah it's amazing the variety of topics that's one of my favorite things about it yeah and you do a great job i would say that mine the one that i did was the best curated ever um mainly because i was in it but yeah the best ever sure <laughs> no best curated. what'd you say the highlight was nick um let's see i think the poems at the beginning and the end yeah that was pretty cool yeah yeah <laughs> You weren't expecting that. No, I wasn't. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. That was a really nice way to start and finish. Yeah. Eddie, um, I'm so glad to have you here because hanging out with you and doing, going through the rehearsal process, uh, getting to see you sort of work and uh, help us all get better at our uh, public speaking was fantastic. But right now I want to get to know you a little bit better and we'll talk a little bit more about Pachacacha. So I have you all to myself. Whereas before I had to share you with eight other speakers. Now you're sharing me with all of Orlando. All of Orlando. Uh, so we're going to play a game to get to know you a little bit better first. And the game is called Smokey or the Bandit. 
The reason it's called that is because today would have been Burt Reynolds' 83rd birthday. Oh, man. Yeah. So what you're going to do is I'm going to say something. It's kind of word association. We might dig into why you feel uh, some way about something. Uh, But the idea is that Smokey, if you're for something, because what's better than Smokey? Smokey eyes, smoked ribs, those sorts of things. Uh, Or the bandit, if you're like, I'm not really for that. Because bandits typically are bad, with the exception of the aforementioned Burt Reynolds. Have you seen the movie? Oh, I grew up watching. Yeah, those Bandit's movies. the hero, and Smokey's yeah. the bad guy. So uh, absolutely, you're this, gonna. You're, I'm this game, confused already. This game doesn't always work. Uh, one time, I played peanut butter or jelly, and the guest had such a visceral reaction because they hated peanut butter and they loved jelly that they almost left. Wow. Yeah, but you're a good guest. I know you're going to play the game. Smoky or the Bandit. It's Smokey just, or the Bandit. I'm it's in. It's just the way that it's ordered in the uh, saying. Okay, let's go. Uh, in a couple of days, we're going to have this Valentine's Day. Smoky or the Bandit? Oh, Smoky. You like Valentine's? Of course, yeah. So is this a holiday you and your lovely wife uh, often celebrate? Or how do you celebrate it if you do? Well, I don't, you know, I think, how do we celebrate it? We've been married 35 years, so I think uh, it's it's great for both of us to just show up, you know. <laughs> like, it's just being there is really the secret of long-term romance. Mm-hmm. Just keep showing up. Okay, and you show up on Valentine's Day as I well. do show up. I'm there from the beginning. Do you have some gifts? Can we spoil it? Will you tell us what oh, gifts man. you have? She's listening. No, we can't do that. Okay, very no. good. But, we'll talk about that often. But I'm a romantic at heart. I'm a big believer in Valentine's okay. Day. I think a day that you can, you know, like be reminded to show your love is is awesome. Is a good thing. Yeah. All right. Who would be against Valentine's Day? I'm going to go ahead and You're raise raising my your hand. hand. Yeah. Wow. What's the story there? I think it's a just Someone a hurt matter. You. Uh, you it's got hurt. partly that. It's, I get hurt on Valentine's. Every Valentine's I get hurt. I oh. always throw my back out or something along those lines. Oh, you mean physically hurt? Physically hurt. Yeah. Oh, what did you mean? I thought you meant emotionally. Oh, no. I'm not emotional at all. I see. I'm just a, you know, I'm a, I'm a brick wall. So Are you married? I don't even know. Uh, no. No. Okay, so you get hurt by a different woman every year? Or? Uh, every multiple, it's not even women, it's just multiple things happen to me. I become Mr. Bean, I think, on Valentine's Day. And then just all sorts of hijinks ensue. Wow. Yeah. You fall down like open manholes. Yep. And that's terrible. That's me. Right. So I'm just going to stay home. Be careful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being careful, driverless cars, Smokey or the Bandit? I think the jury's out. On driverless cars, I, w- I would like to get in one and try it and see. So you would, I, you would. If I've, I had one, yeah, I'm on the right smoky now. side of it. Yeah, okay, I'd get in one, sure. All right, but when you say the jury's still out, well, I mean, who knows? It's, it's for the moment, it's a concept, as far as I know. I've, I also I should point out that you know I'm from Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. where if there's anything we know how to do, it's drive a car. That's the one skill like that's you instilled have to in have. you. Yeah. Um, so driving a car is a birthright. I mean, I, I'm never more myself than when I'm at the wheel of a car going hopefully like 80. Um, so a driverless car, I think I'd be like shouting at the non-driver to go faster for one oh, thing. Oh, so yelling at that. That would be very frustrating. I like that. Yeah. So you would have to let go some control, some modicum of control in order to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't particularly like being driven. Mm. You know? Mm. Sounds good. 
How do you feel about jerky? Jerky. Smokey or the bandit? Bandit. No jerky for I'm you? I'm not into jerky, no. You seem to uh, enjoy the finer things in life. So jerky is not on that list? Well, it's not a snobbish thing. It's, oh, um, okay. It just doesn't particularly taste good. It's old <laughs> meat, isn't it? That's, uh, essentially. That's a, yeah. that's, that was their first name. Did not market well. No? Didn't Did not test, play test in well? the Midwest. Poughkeepsie was not into it. Yeah. And so they're like, what, 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 what do you can think we, we call, call this it? stuff? Uh, jerky. Jerky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the conversation. Who would have thought that would work? You know? <laughs> It's the old meat's not working well. It's, what can we call this stuff? Jerky. jerky. Hey, jerky, come up with a new name. That's probably what happened. Yeah, probably. And the misunderstanding. Was, yeah, the person was the upset factory. about it. Uh, 147 years ago, somebody else had a birthday. Thomas Edison. How do you feel about the light bulb? Smokey or the bandit? I'm totally into the light bulb. Smokey. Have you ever made one yourself? Made you a ever, light bulb? Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? I honestly never have, Nick. Really? Have you? Well, we're going to make one during the next break. Are we? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll make them. Uh, we'll see if they work. I wondered what the filaments Yeah, no, I've got the entire... Before. We're going to blow some glass. Uh, we're going great. to... We've got the filament. Uh, we've got the various gases over here. Normally, I would have I a breakfast bar for my guest, but canisters of gases. It's very dangerous in here today. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was good. No, You're I'm into, a man of danger. I'm, I think the light bulb uh, was a was a good good invention. Okay, so you're down with uh, most of his phonograph, all that other stuff. Sure, modern conveniences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about the beach? Smoke your bandit. Yeah. Well, again, I'm from Los Angeles, so the beach is is embedded in my history and my well, life. Most of the time, you're driving to the beach or from the beach. Yes, pretty much, and I. I have to say this though I I don't like the beach in Florida because the sun comes up instead of going down. The Atlantic, I'm not into the Atlantic. Oh, the Atlantic it's all, side. It's the wrong way around. Okay, yeah. so you're more west coast. Yeah, the sun should set over the over the, the ocean. The ocean horizon. Not so rise. the west coast of Florida is okay. How do you feel about that? Better. St. Pete, Clearwater, yeah. Naples, they're all big Much listeners. Better. Yeah, I have a big following over there, so I want to make sure that... No, they're all right. Okay, good. Yeah. So, yeah, Eddie approves, you guys, you're good. Colonizing Mars, Smokey or the Bandit? Honestly, I'm Bandit about that. Yeah. Seriously, because I, you know, it's a, it's in a, some way, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card for humanity, right? It's like, oh, yeah, we can trash this planet like a Dixie cup and then go foul up Mars. Really? I I think we stay home and uh, clean up our own mess. You know, I I agree. All right. Besides, I, you know, what's the attraction of Mars really when you come right down to it? I think it's red. I think on Valentine's Day, especially, we often think of that's the most romantic planet. Wouldn't Venus be the most romantic planet? Too gassy. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's like me on Valentine's yeah, Day. That's yeah, not romantic. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, my feeling about Mars is go to Arizona. Hang Just out there good. for a week. We yeah. know in Hawaii on some of the volcanic plains, that's where they do their Mars prep missions. So yes. they'll set it up there because it right, looks approximately lava. like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's very, actually, there's parts of Hawaii that look very otherworldly. Yeah. You wouldn't think. So they, what they do is to test out the psychological settings is put, you know, five, six people 
in a small confined environment. They can't leave. They'll actually also uh, simulate the radio signal delay when they're trying to talk to people on Earth, in quotation marks. Uh, so they'll go through the entire process there. What do you think about that for the Pachacacha speakers? Like before Pachacacha just to spend like three weeks together. Isolate them. In confined spaces right before the event. Well, we have a rehearsal, which is a similar process. <laughs> I kind of lock them in a big room with each other and we go through it. We did that yesterday, in fact. It's, uh, how excited are you for this round of speakers? Oh, it's going to be great. They're, you know, their stories are, you know, everyone sends me their, their images and their, sometimes their script ahead of time, but mm. it's not the same as, as seeing someone tell their story, standing up and going through it. And it just blows me away every time. And it did this time too. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come back to Pachacacho. Let's get through a couple more of these zombies, Smokey or the Bandit. Well, I, I'm really fond of a movie called White Zombie. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. 1932, Bela Lugosi. It's the probably the first zombie movie. And really? By far the best. It's just great. It's Even great. better than the Romero stuff? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of gore. Okay. I don't like gore. I don't like, you know, seeing body parts ripped off or eaten. I, I, you know, I'm not into that. White Zombie is more, you don't see anything gross, but you, it chills your blood anyway. It's that frightening. It's, uh, I would imagine, is it it's a silent spooky. movie? It's, no, no, it was early silent. Yeah. It was very low budget, but they made the most of, of what they had. And it, it just gets under your skin, this movie. Huh. It feels very unsettling. Yeah, and it, it was a huge hit back in the day, even though it, it cost like about 18 bucks to make. And so, yes, White Zombie, Bill White Lugosi, zombie? highly recommended. All right. Other than that, though, I'm, I'm banded. So just that one, Smokey. Just the one. Smokey and then a bunch of bandits. Basically, yeah. Got it. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Where'd you get this list? <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting list you've got. Sandwiches. Um, again, it's like the zombies. Some are good, some are bad, right? Well, yeah, but in general. No, I, I think a sandwich is a good thing. Okay. Do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite sandwich? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say it's hard to be a club sandwich. No pun intended. Nice, nice uh, crisp bacon, some yeah. tomato. Yeah. Okay. That was, somebody said, oh, let's dress up this, you know. This thing with bacon. Actually, you know, you can put bacon on anything and pretty much improve it. Well, let's put that to the test with the next one. Uh, Coke just announced this. Are you a soda drinker? I am not. You're not. Bandit. Bandit. Okay, because orange vanilla Coke. It'll be their first new Coke in uh, a little over 10 years. So it sounds like you're just fully Bandit. Yeah. I. Well, I don't, I don't drink soda pop. I've, I've never really liked it, no. so it doesn't really matter what they do. I think straight-up Coke is great, actually, but I don't I, I don't probably partake. have one a year. Okay. But, yeah. I'd, have I'm, you had one for 2019 yet? No. No, it's early. Okay. Well, you might want to try an orange vanilla Coke. I don't They're think so. They're not a sponsor. No. <laughs> I, does that sound good to you? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah, no, I I remember, do you remember uh, Church Street? I don't know how long you, when you moved here, but Church Street used to have a uh, Coca-Cola sort of uh, uh, soda fountain-ish thing. And what they would do is make you different types of Coke there. So there's lemon Coke, there was chocolate Coke, 
Uh, they would obviously make a cherry Coke. You know, and I, those were fun. I I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm a purist about a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I like, I don't like martinis that are not really martinis. Like, like a martini is gin and vermouth, right? And that's it. And you see menus of like blueberry martini, apple martini. And I'm like, there's no such thing. That's not a thing. That's, it's in a martini glass, but it's not a martini. And I feel the same way about Coke, like orange vanilla Coke. That's not a Coke anymore. It's a creamsicle that melted. Oh, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Right. You know, you could, you'd slap the word Coke on anything, you know? I've tried that Banana before. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Banana Coke. That. Yeah, I've tried that before. Didn't work out that well. Uh, a couple more. Tiny Houses. Smokey or The Bandit? I like to look at them, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't want to live in one. How come? Because I think I would, I would need more room, you know, (laughs) don't you? I, they're like dollhouses. They're, they're super cute and interesting and cool, but to actually be in one, that would just be terrible. What about the idea of minimizing the amount of things that you have or, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm for that. that. I'm okay. definitely for that. Uh, Rebecca and I are both um, whatever the opposite of a pack rat is. We travel very light. We Spartans. The, yeah, I, I, things uh, become encumbrances and and dead weight on you uh, after a while, and you need to get them out of your life. You need to. It's like it's like um, it's sort of like a fish tank, right? It needs a constant influx of new, fresh air and water. You know, or it gets very stagnant, and that's how I feel about my environment. You so know, you I, just hose down the inside of your house every once in a while. Sure, doesn't everyone do that? Uh, no, yeah. I think more people should do that. Now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, yeah, a, both literal and a figurative hosing down of the inside of the house. <laughs> I like it. What's a figurative hosing down? Uh, cleaning out the the junk. Ah, cleaning yeah. out the, the yeah. Space no, I, I I'm firm believer in that. Or a neti pot. Yes, like a neti pot approach to your house. Yes. Do your listeners know what a neti pot is? I have no idea. They're very dangerous from what I understand. Seriously? They can be. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. If you're that's not like using, people who say ayahuasca is dangerous. They don't know what they're talking about. If they're, you're not using the right uh, no. kind of water well, or you're using orange vanilla Coke. Well, everything is dangerous if you're an idiot. Yes. Okay. That's what I mean. No. It's, <laughs> a neti pot is one of the best things you can do for yourself obviously you're not going to be pouring like, you know, reclaimed water in your nose. Hopefully. Don't do that. If you're going to go to all the trouble to get in any pot, you're not going to put some, you know, terrible water in it or a orange Coke. You're going to use, you know, filtered pure water. Sure, yeah, clean water. All right. But yes, a neti pot, for those of your listeners who don't know, is a, a simple ceramic um, pot. It's very small. It has a spout. You put um, pure water, um, you warm the water up and you add usually some sort of saline solution to it that mm. you can buy easily. And you gently pour it in one nostril and the water flows through your sinuses and out the other nostril. And you breathe through your mouth. It's, it's not like drowning or anything. It's not like being waterboarded. It's a very simple thing that people in the East have been doing for centuries. And it clears out your sinuses and you don't need Claritin or drugs or antihistamines or other, uh, you know, artificial substances. You just simply clean out 
your your cavities, let's call them. Clean out your cavities. That's what I always say. Yeah. Yeah. So neti pot, yeah. Okay. So neti pot. I'm, I'm very, smoky. very smoky on okay. the neti pot. <laughs> Good. Uh, last question for now, cobbler. Cobbler, like peach cobbler, blueberry yes. cobbler. Yep. Oh, very smoky indeed. Very smoky. Is that, yeah. uh, what's your favorite? Who doesn't like cobbler? I, uh, some people. So I, I imagine a lot of people seem to like pie better. And I think one of the reasons is pie is very organized. You know where the crust is going to be. You know where the topping is going to be. You know what's going on with it. You can see everything. Whereas a cobbler is sort of a deconstructed pie, first of all. So it's chaos. So some people are not, that, that's not appealing. Plus, there's a mystery to it where you don't know. You start digging in. Who knows what's in there? Mm. Even if it's peach cobbler, you don't know. Maybe some mixed berries got in there. I mean, I think anybody who likes pie and doesn't like cobbler is just a control freak. Could be. Could be. They're the same thing. <laughs> they, they actually are. Do you have a favorite dessert? I'm a huge dessert fan. I like all desserts, basically. But mm. I think pie is probably my favorite. So you like pie better than cobbler? Uh, you know, only because I think there's a lot more kinds of pie than there are cobblers. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, I see. So, so you're, you're doing your desert like island dessert. Fruit, yeah. You know, pie could be anything. You're doing your desert island dessert of, yes, pie would be the one, and then all the variety of pies. Yeah, any kind of pie. Really, I will, I will eat any pie. Okay. Well, I'll go. I'm going to run out. We're going to play a song. I'm going to run out and get you a pie. I shouldn't uh, probably promote various Orlando businesses, but there is a business called Pia's for Pie. Delicious. I love it. Oh, yep. my God. Yes. Yeah. They make a mean pie. They're great. Yeah. All right. So we'll go. I'll run there in the time it takes to play this song. That's great. Come back with some pie for you. Any kind is fine. Any, just any of them. Sure. Perfect. I've been known to eat pie for breakfast. It is possibly the best breakfast food. It really is. Yeah, it's got everything. Yeah, fruit, yeah. <laughs> protein, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, you want to keep going? No. Carbs, you could carb load in the morning. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm a, it's a superfood. I'll be back with Eddie Sullivan. For those who are listening or just tuning in, Pachaka Cha, volume 25 is February 23rd. There's two shows, one at six and one at nine for your listening pleasure. They're the same shows, correct? They are the same exact show. And so you can go to either one, or if you really want to, you can go to both. You could go to both. Yeah. Sure. They're actually, they're not exactly the same. The first show, we're all a bit keyed up. We're kind of on fire. Uh, the presenters are nervous because they're doing 20 slides each, 20 seconds per slide. The slides are on a timer. And so... For the first show, everybody's a bit nervous. Can I do this? Can I pull this off? And they do. They do brilliantly. And then for the second show, everybody like calms down, chills out. And the second show is just like a like an exhibition game. It is neat to see the difference yeah. between the two. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel different in the second show? I did. I was actually conscious. <laughs> yeah. The first show, I got up there. You I got to the mic. I remember adjusting it. I remember shaking your hand. And then I blacked out. Okay. And I it's, think that's why my second show was slightly different because I don't remember what I said at the first show. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to be conscious, probably. Yeah. No, I'm recommending consciousness. Yeah, me too. For, for sure. Yeah. All right, Eddie, we'll stick around. We're going to play the Decemberists from their new album, I'll Be Your Girl. This is Once in My Life on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree.
It was about a year ago that a Kwanzaa Cadigan was a guest on To a Certain Degree, and he's been busy these last 12 months. His new book is getting close to coming out. He participated in Creative City Orlando. He was a speaker at Pachaka Chop. There's too much to sum up here. My point is, this is someone you should be following. Check out my interview with him. Visit his site, aquanzacadigan.com, A-Q-U-A-N-Z-A-C-A-D-O-G-A-N.com. Follow him on the various social medias out there that are serving it up medium style. The Decemberists on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their brand new album, I'll Be Your Girl. That was once in my life. I'm not sure if that's how they want you to pronounce it, but that's how I'm doing it. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I have a special guest today. Eddie Selliver is here. Eddie is the curator. I've been calling you curator of Pachacacha Night Orlando. Is that accurate? That's Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. I, I don't really have a title per se. Right. Host, organizer, Grand Poobah. I like that one. Mucky Muck. Mucky Muck is also a good one. Uh, Eddie is here to talk about the event that's coming up, Volume 25 of Pachacacha Night Orlando on February 23rd at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. Two shows, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And one thing that I wanted to uh, give you a chance to talk about is the difference between these presentations and say uh the format specifically uh, and how unique it is uh, in terms of the speakers and what they're doing yeah the genius of the format is that the speakers are on a timer and the timing is 20 slides 20 seconds per slide and the slides are on a computer timer the presenter has absolutely no control so they're going to the next one no matter what they are and it, it has a very interesting effect on the audience um, even more than the presenters because, you know, normally when someone is speaking, you're kind of, yeah, you know, you're shifting in your seat, you're looking at your watch, you have no idea when it's going to be over. You kind of have this vague feeling that the person is stealing your time away from you and you don't know when they're going to, like, finish. And in this case, you know, the audience is acutely aware that time is ticking by that the presenter has this like message to get out in 20 seconds and then it's moving on. And that causes the, the people in the audience to really lean in and focus and pay attention. And it's a remarkable thing to see 300 people paying really, really close attention. You can feel the, the distillation of that energy kind of coming at you over the stage. It's very unlike any other event that I've ever been to. Yeah, there's no time for really ad-libs. There's no time to for quick asides. Nothing, you have no to, digressions, no, yeah. no rambling, dis- discursive, you know, uh, like side trails. You just got to stay on point. And everyone that's participated so far, so there's been about, there's been 25 of them. Or right, there will have been eight or 25. nine speakers apiece, so that's couple hundred people have been through this the process yeah. um you're looking for going back to sort of that curator hat that you uh wear you know eight to nine speakers per, per event you're not only looking for uh speakers that are good that can get up in front of people and do that you're looking for a lot of stories that fit together 
Well, I would say, uh, I, I mean, I'll kind of correct you if I can yeah, do that please. on your own show. Oh, no, that's what I'm here for. To be corrected? Of Great. course. You're in for a treat. So <laughs> a couple things. They don't have to be, quote, unquote, good speakers. Uh, I've had events where on the same exact program, uh, we had Jose Fajardo, who is, he's in Hawaii now, but he in Orlando, he was the head of public radio and public television here. Mm -hmm. And he spoke um, on the same program with my friend Alexa, who Alexa had never spoken in public in her entire life until Pachaksha night. So on the same program, Jose and Alexa, right, at, at completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as public speaking experience and ability, they were equal that night. And in fact, Alexa... Sorry, Jose, if you're listening, but Alexa did kind of better than Jose because she talked about um, she had had asthma as a kid mm -hmm. and couldn't was very limited in what she could do and what kind of activities she could pursue. And as an adult, she made the decision to try doing a mud obstacle race in uh, a little north of Tampa, Savage Race. And so she had all these great shots of herself doing monkey bars and jumping into ice pits and crawling under barbed wire and getting all covered in mud. And it was really a beautiful story of self-actualization and, and a kind of heroic effort. And the audience just responded to her like you couldn't believe just with this outpouring of love and um, honoring what she had done and how brave she had been. And... You know, the, the genius of the Pachakasha format is that it, it, in a sense, makes all the speakers equal. Because no matter how experienced you are, it, the format will win, right? No matter what you think you're talking about, no matter what you think, how good you think you are, you've got 20 slides and 20 seconds, and you just have to follow the format. That's great. Yeah. So... Let me go to the second part of then, if the first part of my statement was wrong. Uh, what second part was wrong, too. Okay, great. Because you said about curating. That I, yeah. Right, that I look for people who all have a similar kind of message. And in fact... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. If oh. that's what came across, that is definitely not what I meant. Okay. No, what I meant was from a curation standpoint is you're putting together... I think about it from a, a mixtape perspective. You want songs that are not necessarily the same throughout. You want to take people on a journey. Right, you want to yeah, go that, up in places, you want to go down in places. Right. So that's what you're looking for in terms of the speakers and how you line them up. Yes. And I'll joke about, you know, the, the volume 24, the one that I was involved in uh, being one of the best ever. But that's what I really saw, maybe because I was on the inside of it and saw the way that the stories evolved and saw the way that you chose and were very, very specific in the way that you chose the order of the stories to make sure that the experience for the listener, for the audience member, was excellent. Right. Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the goal is to find people who have very different stories to tell and very different ways of telling them and a very eclectic mix of topics. And then you, you know, you get them in a room and they rehearse and you kind of hear them. And I, I begin to think, okay, what's the right sort of order for this? Because... Yeah, I'm a professional communicator for a living. That's what mm -hmm. I do. And, and the real secret of effective communication is to organize correctly. Um, and so it's like, well, how do we start? What's an effective way to begin? What's an attention getting, um, you know, arresting 
interesting way to start. And then where do we go from there? And, and where do we end up? And if this is where we're ending up, how do we want to get there? That's the best way to get there. And there's, there isn't a formula for that. It's really just sort of, uh, you know, thinking it through, being fairly intuitive about, you know, knowing how to tell a story. I mean, it is a mixtape then. Yeah, it's a mixtape for yeah. sure. Yeah. In many ways, it's a, you know, your, I, I don't want to say love story, but, uh, you know, that sort of fascination with Orlando and the speakers that we have here and the people that we have here. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. It has become sort of my ongoing love story with Orlando. Eight so, people at a time. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's uh, nearly a key party. Um, volume 25 is coming up on February 23rd. Can you, without giving too much away, can you talk about, uh, and we'll go through this throughout the morning, a couple of the speakers? Sure, yeah. Be there? One speaker, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have all of them, but one speaker I'm particularly excited about is Cynthia Alice Anderson. She's the minister of the Unity Church downtown. And so she's essentially a preacher. And she's going to talk about the beliefs that we have about ourselves that are sort of, we inherit from society, the beliefs that are instilled in us by uh, the education system, the political system, um, the media, even religion itself, right? And yet, underneath those beliefs about who we are, who are we really? How do you how do you know who you are really? Underneath the beliefs that have been kind of laid on you. Oh, that'll be fun, and that kind of translates to a lot of different things, like social media and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, there's a really interesting TED talk by a woman named Karen Armstrong uh, that I highly recommend to anyone interested in this kind of thing. Uh, and I, um, Karen Armstrong is a religious scholar and she was uh, given a prize and the TED talk was her acceptance speech. And she talks about much the same thing that Cynthia Alice is going to talk about, which is the difference between um, a true spiritual feeling and a belief, quote unquote, and how really the the for the whole history of religion, Karen Armstrong says that it was about conduct. Religion was about how you behaved, how you right. how you treated other people, how you how you acted in the world. And then a few hundred years ago, it suddenly became about belief. And once it became about belief, it became freighted with all this conflict. Because it's like, well, I believe X and you believe Y. Clearly you are a non-believer and you must be like punished or killed or shunned or, you know, tortured. Something bad needs to happen to you because I believe what I believe is correct, what you believe is incorrect. And we're at total loggerheads and we have to kill each other. <laughs> yes. Only one of us can be right. And it became essentially about being right. Yeah. Instead of about being a moral person acting you know, correctly and, and um, lovingly with your fellow human beings. And, and that's a fascinating point to me. I think that's the root of a lot of our problems right now is that, you know, we're, we're very concerned about being right. And, you know, social media can kind of exacerbate that. Yeah, there's this competition, and then we have to see who agrees with us, who likes, who does all those right. things. Yeah, who likes, exactly. And, and one of the most upsetting things that can happen on social media is to be disagreed with. Mm -hmm. You know, you post something, the Decemberists, greatest band ever. And someone's like, 
I don't like them. <laughs> you know, you can spend your entire day like, like Going back chewing over that comment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, what that's do you mean? why I'm, I'm lucky to have very few followers and listeners. So all the ones agree with me wholeheartedly, I'm sure. You're lucky to have a microphone. You can that's just true. say whatever you want. Yeah. People in their cars, they could be <laughs> you know, yelling and screaming and disagreeing. You'll never hear them. They're yelling at the radio. I like to think that I hear them on some level. And they're yelling just the most sweet obscenities about me and how wonderful I am. Sure. Yeah. That's probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's Out on Fairbanks Avenue. There they are. Oh, yeah. Waving their tiny fists. Who's another uh, speaker that we can look forward to on the 23rd? So my friend Joe Tangersley is uh, another really fascinating topic is the future. And Joe's point, Joe's a futurist. And what he's essentially talking about is how, you know, the future is, is painted as sort of apocalyptic end times, you know, every, every bad thing that's happening. And, and, you know, we all, I think, are afraid of the future because mm -hmm. we hear so many terrible things about it. The ocean levels are rising. The land is burning. You know, we're doomed. And his point is that none of that is true, that the future is going to be great. It'll just be different. And that, you know, we're actually living in the greatest time in human history, the greatest by any by any objective measure. Right. This is the best time. We have the to access to the things that, yeah, that nobody else has ever well, had not access only, to in history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, the poorest American lives better than like the kings of medieval Europe. Right. Air conditioning, you know. Um, utensils utensils exactly yeah um, orange vanilla coke <laughs> <laughs> kings of medieval times didn't have that well it's interesting that that ties in and again kind of going back to that mixtape thing uh that sort of ties into this this other uh uh presentation about belief right because we're we get so ingrained in thinking that the future is going to be terrible because of pop culture, because of media, other things right. yeah, that are happening. Well, and, and the people, people forget that the media, like they, they sort of paint the media as this entity, this, this monolithic entity that has an agenda, right? And, and in a sense, the only agenda that the media, quote unquote, has is to keep you paying attention. They want your eyeballs. They want you listening and reading and watching. That's what they. That's their agenda. Mm -hmm. And it just is a fact that if they can show you something very upsetting or super dramatic, um, you're going to pay more attention. There's a, a little girl is down a well. Oh my god! You know, I've got to watch that all day long. Twenty four hour news coverage. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, some lovely patient woman helping. Um, special needs children is not going to grab you and make you watch all day, right? Someone going about their business, doing something wonderful for other people is not necessarily dramatic. So, you know, that's what most of humanity is doing. They're, they're doing good work for other people and for themselves, but it's not a story, quote unquote. Um, so I think that you know, there's, the media sort of disproportionately feeds people drama that's created drama that isn't really how life is. Or it is now just because they fed us that. Well, you're, you're inundated with it, so yeah. you sort of think that's what's happening because that's all you hear about. 
And of course, it's like it's like eating junk food or drinking soda pop. It's sort of addictive stuff that's mm-hmm. bad for you is is strangely addictive. You know, like Homer Simpson said once, why why are all the bad things so tasty? That's a good point. Well, and what I like about that. It seemed like a tangent, but we were talking about two of the Pachacacha speakers. And that's one of the takeaways for me from Pachacacha is the conversations that you have afterwards about the topics that you've just seen and the thoughts that you've had uh, or the things that it makes you feel afterwards. Yeah. So you mentioned Jose Fajardo earlier. I remember coming away from that talk going, you know, this is a guy who put himself out there. And was very vulnerable on stage in terms of what he was talking about. Yes. And so that inspired me in many ways. And I actually, what I, I typically didn't do at the time was went up to him and thanked him afterwards. So those That's are the types great. of uh, yeah. things that you can do. And these are people in Orlando. These are not national speakers that are coming through that you couldn't necessarily interact with, except maybe on Twitter if you say something super funny. These are people you can talk to afterwards at the events and afterwards in Orlando. Right. I mean, I think that one of the key um, purposes of the event are, are we have a sort of unofficial tagline, unwrapping the brilliance of Orlando. And that's really what the event is all about. It's like a window into things that are happening here that you had no idea were happening that are great things. People doing really interesting, fun stuff that you didn't even know was, was going on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what other event can you go to and hear, you know, a mermaid talking about what it's like to be a mermaid at Wiki Watchy Mermaid Camp? I don't For think example. there's that many. Yeah. Not too many. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go back to you as the curator. I'm curious about your interaction with music overall. So this is switching over from Pachaka Cha to Eddie Sullivan, let's writer. Uh, so you write a lot, you write for work. Um, I'm not sure if you write, I know you have a blog, but do you write mm-hmm. for pleasure as well? Yeah, um, yeah. What? How do you interact with music when you're writing? What's your process like? And uh, what do you do when you hit roadblocks, when you hit that writer's block? Uh, you know, as far as music and writing goes, I mean, it can be, it can get you into a certain kind of mood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tricky though, because I'm a very, being a writer, I think I'm very focused on lyrics. And when I hear songs, I really hear the lyrics first and the music kind of second. So it can be, it can become a distraction. I don't usually uh, listen to music when I'm writing. Okay. Because I, I want to hear my own thoughts, not someone else's. You've got your own soundtrack going. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't find music very helpful to writing. But, but yeah. So, was that? Your, how do you deal with writer's block? Was that your question? That was the other question. Mm. Is yeah, you have to be. Um, you know, you may have your own deadlines, and you may uh, honor those or not. But when you're working, you're writing. You have to hit those deadlines. Well, at this point in my career, because I'm getting up there. Uh, and I've been doing this a long time. I, I'm sort of, in a sense, like a like a woodworker, you know, a guy who makes chairs, who's been making chairs for 30, 40 or more years. So it's right? a muscle memory. So, yeah, I, uh, you hand that guy like a, a chunk of wood, you know, a couple of planks and a, give him a lathe and he's going to make you a chair. He's just going to do it. 
Uh, so that's sort of what it's like. And as far as, I mean, I think that there definitely are times as a writer or any creative person where you're inspired, but the reason that you work at it and develop craft is that, that craft can see you through the, the gaps in your inspiration. So that, when, you know, when I was very young and I was writing, I had to be inspired. And when I was inspired, it just flowed out. That was great. But when the inspiration dried up, I got, I got nothing, you know. But now, you know, I can, I can keep on writing and know that maybe what I'm writing will have to be revised or, or tossed out. But I just know to keep going. Just keep going. And the, the craft will see you through those gaps. So I don't really have writer's block, quote unquote, anymore. Just close your eyes and it's just coming out. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. When you said muscle memory, that's that's kind of pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. What about for public speaking and for speeches? Does that does that pattern of writing change for you? No, I think every 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 bit of communication starts with thinking about who is the audience. You know, if you're doing it right, so. It becomes a question of, well, who am I talking to? What do they know already? What do they not know? What do I want them to know? What do I want them to think or to do? How do I want them to feel and react? What's the takeaway ultimately? What do I want them to, to do differently when, this is, when they're done receiving this communication? And so that really drives whatever the communication is. It, and it can be... I mean, let's say you're writing a letter to your neighborhood association because there's, you know, an infestation of bears and you want them to do something about the bears. A dear bear letter. Yeah. 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 I read a lot of those. Yeah. Or whatever it is. You know, you want, you're complaining because you got bad service at the deli, right? And you're writing an email. What it's, you start out like, what? What's the intended effect of this? What do I want them to do after they've read it? Do I want the, that deli clerk fired? Do I want, you know, new trash cans? What do I want to have come out of this? And then you kind of back, you back up and get there. You know, you, you build the, whatever it is, the speech, whatever it is, to the effect that you want it to have. Nice. Yeah. All right. I think that's good writing advice. I think that's probably the advice you're giving uh, the people who are getting ready for Pachacacha. Right. And that I think, you know, you were talking about the order of the speakers, and I think that that drives the selection of of who goes in what order is sort of what is the ultimate impact that I want the event to have on the audience. Mm -hmm. And basically every single time I want the audience to leave the theater feeling really, really great about living in Orlando and, you know, really excited to go back and engage with their community and, and meet more people and see what people are doing here and, and feel like this is, you know, a real dynamic, up-and-coming, great city of the future. Good. Yeah. And we'll hear that on February 23rd. You certainly will. Tickets are available now. Yes, they are. There's two shows. Uh, the best way to get the, to the tickets is just uh, on the Facebook page. You could start there. I would say that really the only way to get the tickets is to go to the Dr. Phillips Center website, oh, um, which, uh, you know, didn't everyone in Orlando go there for Hamilton tickets? So they know where it is. I, I'm pretty sure they're familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. Half of Orlando was at Hamilton, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We're just like Hamilton, except our ticket is one tenth the price. So, Doctor Phillips, uh, you can go there. You can get uh, what I'm hearing is a better experience than Hamilton. Is what it's better than Eddie Hamilton, is yeah. promising. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I did not see Hamilton, so I don't know exactly <laughs> That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you can go to the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. You can also follow Pachaka Cha on Facebook. You can. Get updates on this show, not only this show, but the other two that will happen this year. You do about three a year? Yes, June 29th and November 9th. Perfect. And so... For those of your listeners who are scheduling their... Planning their ahead. Advance, planning ahead. The pie eaters do. out there. Well, I think it's important to note that, you know, this is a regular event. Um, and again, it's a nonprofit event. Uh, Eddie does this out of the kindness of his heart, uh, and he does an incredible job. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I went through the process, and I've seen Pachacachas, so I I know that it's it's going to be impactful, and you're going to get something out of it if you go. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you for continually referring to how kind I am. Yes. It's not generally known about me, but... It's, well, you have such kind eyes. I think <laughs> that, that doesn't is. come across in the pictures <laughs> as well. Not through radio. Yeah. And so uh, why don't we listen to a song? We'll take a quick break here. Cat Power from their new album, Wanderer. This is You Get, which is appropriate to talk about Pachaka Cha. You get so much. It's just You Get, though, the name of the album or the name of the song is You Get. Go in the blank. Yes. Yeah, it's a Mad Lib. Cat Power with their new Mad Lib album. Uh, You're listening to that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode was recorded live on February 11th, 2019 on WPRK 91.5 FM. You will hear things on WPRK that you won't hear anywhere else. It's college radio. All the DJs are volunteers. Check out the show list online or just tune in whenever you have a chance. There's always something interesting happening. So listen early and often. Buxton on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from the brand new album Stay Out Late. That was Inside Out. Before the break, we heard from Cat Power, a song by the name of You Get from their brand new album Wanderer. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. Every Monday, I do a show from 7 to 9, and every Monday, I have a special guest. Eddie Selliver is here. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning again, Nick. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great. You have a full time job. I do. You have another full-time job, which is Pachacacha Orlando. And, um, okay, let me ask you this. Am I saying it correctly? Yes, you are. Let me throw it out there how to spell it. P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A. In case anybody wants to search for it, it's an event coming up on the 23rd. Right. February 23rd. Looks uh, like Pecha Kucha. Pecha Kucha, Pachacacha. And it means chit-chat in Japanese. Apparently so. I don't speak <laughs> Japanese, but I'm told... That, that's what it means. Chatter, chit-chat, and that's, small talk. And that's where the format came from for this event in terms of, so you have a, a couple of different organizations that have chapters in cities. This is one of them. More than a couple. It's, uh, it's in over 1,000 cities around the world. Well, I was talking about like there's TEDx, there's uh, Creative Mornings, there's, there's groups that oh, have other these public chapters. speaking events. Yeah, but this yeah. one is unique in terms of uh, the format and the way it's presented in terms of the uh, uh, the 20 seconds, 20 slides, and right. that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It's the only public speaking event I know where people are on a timer. 
There's Ignite actually stole the format and they made it 15 slides in 15 seconds. And I've, I've never seen an Ignite event. Uh, I'm not, I think it's sort of like flowered and died because um, yeah. it was just a pale imitation. But um, yeah, in general, it's a foolproof format for public speaking. It's just enough time. It's great. It's six minutes and 40 seconds. You're going to be done with whatever it is that you're hearing. And so I can't imagine it not being interesting, but you'll get a new one in a few, you know, a little bit. The, one of the amazing things is that, uh, and speakers discover this when they're rehearsing, is that if you have too much to say, 20 seconds goes by so fast that you, you can hardly believe it. It seems like about three seconds. And if you don't have enough to say and you're finished talking... And it's your like slide isn't changing. 27 minutes. Yes, it drags on interminably. It's a very interesting sort of look at the fungible nature of time and how your expectations play into it. So my presentation back in November, I want to talk about some of the speakers that are coming up because I'm very excited. Um, obviously, uh, I like to come in sort of knowing a little bit about them, but I don't want to know too much. And it's nice that I've actually met in person uh, a couple of the speakers, actually, Rebecca Lane. Uh, and Matt Petty uh, from New MFE. I know both of them, so I'm very how excited you, to hear them. How do you know, so Matt's a fellow radio host. Yep. How, how do you know Becky? Uh, so I know her from the theater world. Um, I was actually friends with uh, a roommate of hers, and that's how I met her. Uh-huh. And I was actually over at her and her partner's house for uh, New Year's Day. Yeah, she. I, I did not know her, and I'm... I'm actually not exactly sure how we found each other for this event but she rehearsed yesterday she has for one thing she has the most beautiful voice just a gorgeous speaking voice it's really a pleasure to listen to her um and you know she's got a very of course as you would expect a very commanding stage presence you know that's that's really fun to experience she's going to be great i can't wait to see it yeah and matt matt's you know just a very charming, uh, likable guy. Mm-hmm. He's actually, oddly enough, we have two Kiwis, two people from New Zealand on the same program, uh, just really? by coincidence. Yeah. Oh, you weren't saving them up for the same program? No, I wasn't. I because Kiwis always travel in packs, right? Do they? I didn't. That's know what I understand. That. Right, well, that would explain it. Yeah. So one's a uh, <laughs> so there's Matt talking about the game of cricket mm-hmm. and why he's got a passion for the game of cricket, and his talk is basically he's going to explain cricket to us. In six is, minutes and 40 seconds. Well, he's not really going to succeed. <laughs> it's, it's, basically, it's incomprehensible. I, I, okay. I went into this thinking that that was just an American thing, but I think it's just it really is incomprehensible. Uh, I'm not sure the people playing it know what they're doing. What they're doing. Yeah. That sounds like the kind of sport I could get into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. All right. And, and the other Kiwi is Andrew Reed, who's a mural, muralist, painter, artist, from uh, actually he's from Miami and he was recommended to me by the uh, curator host of Pachakasha Miami his name is Carl Hildebrand he's a good friend of mine and Carl suggested that Andrew do this so Andrew um, is coming up from from Miami to talk about uh, painting murals he does murals in all over Florida all over the US in fact that's fantastic Mm -hmm. So this past weekend over at Sam Flax, there was the Sam Flax Wall Projects. They did 11 new murals on the Sam Flax Walls. So uh, I don't, uh, Andrew Reed was not that big of a building, is it? It's not, but they still had a lot of room for a lot of different murals. So it's neat to see. Awesome. I got to talk to a lot of the artists for WPRK. We did a live show from there. 
and about the uh, transitory nature of their work. You know, like, yeah, it's going to be painted over. It might last six months. It might last a year. It might last five, six, seven years. Yeah. But eventually that wall is either going to come down or it's going to be painted over. So, seeing- yeah, it's an interesting thing. But, you know, public speaking event like Pachaksha is, is similar in a way that, you know, you're doing something that has a lot of impact, but it's a little bit on the temporary side. It's a, it's perishable almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it all the more precious. So, you know, the presentation that I did for Pachaksha was bad business ideas. You know that that's part of the show here, that you actually have to sit through now a bad business idea segment. I'm, I'm game for anything. Okay, that great. I trust you. So you're good. I'm just thinking you have a full-time job, plus you do a job for free. So you're good at business. Well. Obviously. Good enough. <laughs> so I, want, I, I specifically wanted to solve some issues I've seen in the workplace. And I figured that that would be, you would be the perfect person to have on for that. Yeah, solve, a, solve issues in the workplace? Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, all about that. That's all I do on the show. So really bad business ideas is changing, I think, in 2019 to instead of calling it bad business ideas, I'm just going to call it solutions. Sure. So we're going to solve corporate America. Great, let's do right it. Right now. So I've got a couple of things. I, I wanted to shoot them off to you. First of all, you, we talked about inspiration a little bit earlier. If anybody missed any of the show, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can listen at to a certain degree dot com. But some people miss the inspirational part. Yeah. Oh, but they, when we're talking really... about finding your muse, right? Whether you're working in an office uh, or you're doing something creative, you still need to find that inspiration, that motivation on a day to day basis. Um, so, what helps you become inspired? It might be music. It might be, I come up with a lot of ideas in the shower. It might be uh, <laughs> nature, right? Yes, yes. I don't know why you're laughing thinking about me taking a shower. Uh, I'm thinking that, you know, what could be more inspiring right. than wet Running neck. water, yeah. 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 Um, oh, man, that just brings up all sorts of issues. But we're going to start an organization called Office the Deep End. And the idea is to reclaim the office to make it more inspirational. So let's say you are inspired by nature. We're going to turn the office into a rainforest. We're going to bring in all the nature we can. So your cubicle, your office, and everybody else's, it just seems like you're outside. They're already doing that, aren't they, at Google and Amazon headquarters? They might be, but that's not everybody, right? Right. Those are the... uh, They're on the the, cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah. So this is for the office down the street here from Rollins College or wherever you are in Central Florida. And uh, we can do something like that. We can install showers every 20 feet. Or just, you know, spritz people with a spray bottle. That might just also wander work. through the halls, spritzing your coworkers. I, I, like I encourage your listeners to do this. <laughs> I like how that's something to punish pets, but to encourage workers yeah, that's what you're saying. Close your eyes. You're in a rainforest. You're in a rainforest yeah. or you're taking a shower. That's where I went. Uh-huh. Instead of actually taking a shower, installing showers at your workplace. I like it. I Several of the places I have worked would have been radically improved if spray every bottles. employee had had a spray bottle. All right. Yeah. I like it. So we've solved uh, that part of it. Um, let's talk about micromanaging. Micromanagers are great. They're wonderful. I know there's a lot of uh, listeners how, how that I so? have. Um, in the sense that uh, uh, a lot of them are listening right now, 
and I'm applying for <laughs> they jobs. Make your core audience. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm applying for jobs right now, so I don't want to. If somebody can, so you're, you're looking to be micromanaged. I am not. So this is my solution for micromanagers: escape rooms in their office. So what happens with micromanagers is they're there and they're actually going to make uh, bring morale down, uh, bring productivity down because they're always looking over your shoulder. They're not doing their jobs. So what we do is retrofit their office every time they come in. It's an escape room type of situation where they can't get out until they solve the riddle, the combination lock, all of those things. They might have an issue with the bathroom, so I'm not sure how to solve for that. But the idea is that we uh, essentially for eight hours, eight to nine hours a day, they're locked in their office and we possibly take away their computer. Yeah, I think I, Smokey. Um, <laughs> yeah there's any downside to that at all no i mean i think you know in all seriousness um i've i've worked for micromanagers and and with them and it's uh the 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 really you know terrible thing about that is that it comes out of a desire to control Mm -hmm. and control really comes out of a out of fear you know it's the the feeling that if you don't control things they'll get i guess out of control and all hell will break loose and and it's a lack of trust in other people and you know i mean i think that it's not the posture of a strong powerful person Mm -hmm. you know a strong powerful person lets whatever happen whatever's going to happen happen and deals with it you know knowing that that they can handle whatever comes up that's a strong posture you know, I, I think the best the best boss I ever had was a lady named Sharon Weinstein in New York. And when Sharon was my boss for three or four years, I I didn't think I had a boss. I didn't think Sharon was doing anything. I thought it was all me. I was doing, you know, the corporate annual report for this New York City financial firm all by myself. And I did, you know the best annual report they ever had. And everyone said, this is the greatest annual report we've ever done, the best process, the best everything. And I thought, wow, Eddie, you are a hero, man. And it was only later that I realized that Sharon had very deftly arranged for me to have a series of successes and then stepped away. She, she like laid the groundwork, made it possible for me to succeed Mm -hmm. and then let me do it. And I, I really thought I was doing it myself. And it's similar to being a great parent, you know, rather than like being all over your kid, you're, you're arranging for your kid to have success, to feel that they did it themselves because you're essentially raising an adult, right? A future adult, someone who knows how to do it themselves. Not, they don't need you there doing everything for them and telling them how to do it. That's, that's raising a cripple, you know? And I I think that, that's the real issue with micromanagers is that their 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 lack of trust has a very negative impact around them because they're 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 crippling the people they work with they're robbing them of their agency so what if we flip the script then and the employees have to get the micromanager out of the office and that's a trust built like that's my issue with the trust building exercise of the escape room is you're all working towards escaping yourself. Mm. What if you're trapped in a room and you have to rely on other people to help you escape? 
I know you're trying to be super serious, and I am obviously not. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I, I probably, you know, I, I left my former employer for a new employer last uh, April, and I put a post up on social media about, you know, that I was quitting my job and trying something new, and it, it got the most like amazing response of anything I have ever posted, like hundreds of comments and likes and loves. And, and it was, it, it made me realize that like, there's a lot of people out there who hunger to leave their job mm-hmm. and go do something more meaningful. And so to all of them who are listening, I'm here to say like, do it, quit today, get out, trap your go manager do, yeah, in an escape room first, whatever, get out of your trap and then go, yeah, go do it. Life is too short to be unhappy and miserable. Get out. Get away. Well, I've saved the best for last. I think you're really going to like this one. Um, This bad business idea? Yeah. It's called Marco Aggressions. As opposed to microaggressions? Correct. Okay. So what I found is very helpful for me is in a workplace when I have somebody and who everyone, sort of the Dwight of the office, that everyone kind of just doesn't care for. Their, their way they work, uh, the way they conduct themselves, the common enemy. Everyone comes together. The team really, really gets inspired mm-hmm. uh, and does their job very well because they have this outlet at work. And that's what Marco would do. So it's a sort of a temp agency where we send incompetent people. We know they're incompetent or they're actually actively really good at being incompetent. And to become the person who brings the office the together. The target, Yeah. That's a great idea. And that would distract them from the micromanager. That would distract them from, let's say, any sort of other issues that the company is having, liquidity, or uh, maybe it uh, didn't get into the online game soon enough. Uh, For example, Sears, uh, that would be something that they could do is just bring Mm -hmm. in this temp person to help out with morale. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, often, often the temp is that person anyway. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would just design it that way on purpose. We had a temp at, when I worked at Prudential in New Jersey, um, her name was Bonita, and Bonita was very into uh, iridology. Do you know what that is? Uh, not iridescence, but maybe... It's your iris, the iris okay. of your eye, yeah. uh, which is the colored part, and she had a like a giant um, like a magnifier that she would look at your iris and then diagnose you. And the iridology is, it's a sort of pseudoscience. What? That That's pseudo? Yeah, it's very pseudo, mm. very bandit. Agree to disagree. Okay. So you look at, <laughs> it turns out that when your iris is magnified to the size of a, basically a pizza, you see all kinds of things there that you didn't know were there. And, um, but Benita's uh, prescription for whatever ailed you was a colonic. I'm 100% mm-hmm. on board for this so far. You have impurities. You need mm-hmm. to clean out your system. Obviously, in the eye is the window to the impure soul. She told or me. Colon. She said, uh, after she had finished examining me, she said, you know, you're, you're, you actually have green eyes, Ed. And I said, that's interesting, Benita, because, uh, you know, I think I have brown eyes. She goes, no, there's no such thing as brown eyes. There's only blue and green. That's all impurities. And I said, Benita, are, are you telling me that I'm so full of shit my eyes are brown? 
And Probably should have mentioned you can't swear. On, on the radio? WPRK, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Well, you can edit that out sure. later. Sure, yeah. can't you? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was the diagnosis for me. Very nice. So colonics so for everyone. crap your eyes are brown? Can I say yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Colonics. I, I like it. I like that take. I like that the, the Marco Gresham's temp is coming in with a script of ridiculous things. Yeah. The temp who comes in with a, a actual medical kit to diagnose the employees as all Perfect. being full of crap. I think I, it's, I knew this it's was got legs. Help. I knew this was going to be good. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We're going to talk about this off air and figure out how we're going to start this uh, new organization. Because you're already starting one. I mean, why not? Uh, let's listen to the Brother Brothers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This is the banjo song. Nice. Yeah. Banjos. Burt Reynolds' birthday. Perfect. Oh, wow. Coming around the There's bend a call here. back. <laughs> you're listening to a certain degree. The To Be Decided is a YouTube channel where hosts Miller and Davis tell some stories, review music, and generally make great content. Miller is also responsible for all the bumper music on this episode, in case you're wondering. Check out youtube.com slash the To Be Decided for more. The Brother Brothers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. From their new album, Some People I Know, that was the banjo song. So playing a couple of odes for uh, a man who passed away late last year, uh, was born on this day in 1936 in Lansing, Michigan. Have you ever been born in Lansing, Michigan, Eddie? Been born there? No. No. Have you ever been there? I hope to someday. Yeah. Reborn into those? I've been a lot of places, but have I been to Michigan? I don't think I've been to Michigan. All right. Uh, Lansing, Michigan is, of course, uh, Burt Reynolds was born on this day in 1936. He would have been 83 today. Good morning. My name is Nick. Uh, I always have some random facts for you every Monday from 7 to 9. I also have uh, some very special guests, not so random. I pick them. I say, you should come on my show and talk about interesting things. And Eddie Silver is here to do just that, Uh, specifically talking about Pachacacha, Volume 25, which is coming up on February 23rd at the Dr. Phillips Center. There'll be two shows at 6 o'clock and at 9 o'clock. We're talking about some of the speakers that are going to be there. Eddie, who are some of the other speakers? Without giving too much away, right? right. they're going to have so much time on stage to tell their stories. I'm just kidding. They're going to have 20 slides and 20 seconds per slide. Six minutes and 40 seconds each. Who are some of the other speakers that we have? Savannah Bone is a basically an alligator ambassador, a gator wrangler at Gator World. Mm-hmm. And I saw Savannah speak at TED Orlando last fall, and she was fabulous, fantastic. She's hugely entertaining, um, you know, knows a ton of stuff about gators and is a huge advocate for them and for their conservation and um, care and treatment. And she's just a ton of fun. So she's going to talk about uh, sort of international uh, trip she took. Now, as a member of Gatorland and as somebody who has access to them, I know you were reticent to have uh, let people juggle fire on stage at the last Pachacacha. Are you going to allow her to bring a gator or two? Allow her? 
I'm going to actively encourage her. Oh, good. It, I don't. It, hopefully, it won't end up like the lost one of those lost world things where the gator gets loose and you know runs through the crowd. But sure, you never sure. Know. Yeah. Where, well, she's not bringing any raptors. No. Okay, great. No. And uh, as far as I know, <laughs> if anybody could, she she, she would could. probably be able to wrangle yeah. them. And then my friend Scott Mann is going to talk about a scuba diving mishap that he had where he was exploring a wreck and ran out of air and couldn't find the guide rope back up and was basically in a very dangerous situation down there. So I can't tell you whether he survived or not, but come see him tell you. I like the idea. I like the idea of those sort of harrowing um, stories in this format because you mentioned this earlier. There's a certain level of not anxiety, but uh, sort of edge of your seat excitement for the storytelling because it goes by so quickly and because you are invested in the speaker hitting that 20 second. This 20, the slide goes whether the speaker is ready or not. And so you're invested in the story just to see if the speaker can make it. And so you're, you're listening so much more intently. Right. It's mindfulness. You're very, very focused and very, every single person in the room is, is in the present moment. And that's a remarkable thing to experience. I think that everyone should go. Everyone who's listening right now. Oh, definitely. Go buy your tickets at the Dr. Phillips Center. Get them on your cell phone. Let me switch over for a second to a time. Pull over first. Pull, please pull over first yeah. to a time before cell phone safety. Um, one thing I like to ask everyone, and I, I don't mean to make that assumption with you. I think you graduated from high school before cell Thank phones you. around. Um, <laughs> I like to ask people about that because I'm still working through a lot of my own biases in life. And one of them is um, you have to go to college right out of high school. And because I went to four different colleges, it took me seven and a half years to get my bachelor's degree. I always had sort of this chip on my shoulder that I did it the wrong way. Mm. And having worked at Rollins College, having worked at the Hamilton Hold School and working with students who are coming back to school every day, typically older, and, uh, you know, helping them try to figure out what they should do with their uh, education plans now that they're a little bit older, it made me realize that there is no right way. So in your case, Eddie... Coming out of high school, what was your expectation of college and what you had to do and what actually happened? Well, I was a journalism major in high school and I was the editor of my high school paper and I had worked my way up from, you know, the lowest to the low. I don't know what I did coming into the high school paper, probably wrote obituaries or something. And a lot of obituary sections in high school yeah, papers. It was, yeah. you know, it was short but punchy. And um, I had worked my way up to the top and then high school ended and I went to college and, you know, became a journalism major in college. And two things happened. One was, uh, that I realized I was going to have to start all over from the bottom at the college paper and work my way up. And I, I didn't have much doubt that I could be editor of the college paper, but I was like, Holy crap, you know, I have to do this over again. Then I'm going to graduate from college and go work for the LA times or something. And I'll have to work my way up from the bottom there. And I, it just seemed like this, Sisyphean, you know, boulder rolling that I didn't want to do. Just keep doing it over and over, yeah. And also, we went on a field trip to the newsroom of the LA Times. And at the time, you know, 
there were just a sea of desks with all these like very beat out looking middle-aged men in my memory, they all had a, like a bottle of whiskey on their desks and they just looked miserable and it wasn't a great advertisement for a career in journalism. You know, they, they didn't look happy. And so those two things made me think, well, maybe I, you know, you should move into creative writing or something. And I did a couple of years of creative writing, uh, and that was, I, I, it was strangely unfulfilling because in a sense, you know. You no, mean professionally or no, in college? In college. Okay. It, was a, it was my major, you know. And I, I didn't really like being a creative writing major. I didn't like being an English major. You know, it, no one can teach you how to write. Um, and I, I don't know. It was, it was very frustrating and unfulfilling. So I quit after two years and I became a janitor full-time. And in those days, you could actually make a living as a janitor. I made a great living um, and put away a lot of money for savings and just kind of was like a bum, but a fairly well-paid bum. And I actually found it very liberating to be a janitor because you're essentially, you're in this sort of underworld. You know, no one wants to know you. No one wants to talk to you. People leave you alone. You're, and you're doing something that other people don't want to do for themselves, although mm-hmm. they could, so they ignore you. And at that point in my life, I really wanted to be ignored, to be anonymous. So it was like tumbling into this cool uh, underworld. Was it like that? I mean, looking back, you know, sometimes you look through rose-colored glasses and it seems more positive than it was. Was it like that at the time or did you actually feel like I'm, I'm not being fulfilled, I'm not doing what I was meant to do, those sorts of things? Or was it... You know, in in the moment, was it the right thing for you? In the moment, yeah, it was very liberating because it okay. was sort of an escape from expectation, uh, an escape from some kind of need to be something. Um, it was it was exactly what I needed at the time. Okay, but you know that turned out to be kind of a dead end too. Uh, so I I really didn't. I, I had no particular plan, you know, and it's. Writing is not the easiest profession to make a living wage in either. So I, during my 20s, I tried a bunch of writing jobs that weren't right for me. You know, retail advertising, you know, uh, magazine editing, travel magazine. Um, nothing, nothing really worked for me until I went into corporate America in my, uh, around the age of 30. And corporate America, oddly enough, I found was exactly right for me because there was a lot of opportunity. Uh, most of the people doing it um, were hacks, and so it was easy to, <laughs> to, uh, to be slightly better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bar is set low, so, mm-hmm. yeah. That was how I learned to be a speechwriter. An uh, executive there mentored me and trusted me and had me begin to write his speeches, and that was a really uh, great opportunity. Uh, and then to travel around with him and rehearse him and... Um, become a corporate speechwriter. That was, you know, there were many benefits to that. One was that I learned to be a speech coach and coach him and coach other executives. So I found myself in my thirties telling, you know, presidents and CEOs what to say and how to say it and no start over. And on, on that ground, I had zero fear, zero intimidation. I discovered that, yeah, I could walk up to the head of a fortune 300 company and tell him, nope, not right. Say it over. Nice. Do it again. Um, and they would listen to me. So that was, that was pretty cool. That'll give yourself esteem, a, a boost, you know? So 
then just going back for a second, am I understanding it correctly? You did not graduate from college. No, I went time? back to college. I finished. Back. I got an English degree, uh, honors English from California State University. Um, it was, you know, it, it, I don't know what the benefit of that was exactly. I, I, I'm glad I finished. I'm glad I had the degree, but it certainly I didn't learn to write in college. I think probably like most people, I learned to think in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the value of it. And research and those sorts of things. Right. I mean, I would, uh, you know, they would give us an Emerson essay and I had a, like a really tough professor, Charles Kaplan, who was very demanding and man, if you took a wrong step, you, you quickly knew you did. And, and, you know, uh, you had to work at that. So I, you know, I would take like Emerson essays and I would deconstruct them, you know, literally take them apart and think about what he was saying and how he was saying it and how he had constructed it. And that, you know, that was very eye-opening. What advice would you give to somebody coming out of college? Because it seems like from your experience, it was try a lot of different things until you find the right yeah, fit. Yeah, that would be my advice. Okay. Use your 20s as a sort of experimentation period to find out more. It's more finding out what you don't like, what doesn't work, you know. And not being afraid to say, okay. Yep. Tried that, didn't work, didn't like it, till you find what you like. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, twenties, it's a great decade for just messing up. This is no real consequences. You're you know, you're not old at thirty. You know. Yeah. You're still young in your thirties, but now you've you've had all that that former decade of messing up. What was your favorite thing that you wrote from a creative standpoint? Or did you do ever you in like, my whole life? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I wrote for my blog. Um, I'm, I'm friends on social media with David Cairns. He's a film critic, uh, out of Scotland and film critic and director. And every year he does a blogathon about last, I think it's called last picture show or last movies. And it's about the last film of a well-known actor or director. So I participated in that blogathon a few times, and I did one a few years back. I did an essay about Veronica Lake, who was a she was a femme fatale oh, movie actress site, yeah. of the 1940s. And Veronica Lake had an extremely short career, and it was very messy. She was, you know, not liked by her coworkers. She became an alcoholic, died at 50 of you know alcoholism, basically. And her final film was a a horror movie that was made for like a very low budget here in Florida. She ended up, so that's, you know, in show business, that's about as low as you can get making a horror movie in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And it was called Flesh Feast. So, yeah. And I found the director's son, Randy Grinter. Randy passed away this past year, but um, I managed to locate Randy somewhere in, I think he was in Miami, and I talked to him for quite a bit about, he remembered, he was a teenager on the set of this movie, so he had memories of Veronica Lake, and that was like pure gold. <laughs> so in writing about Veronica Lake's last movie, I kind of researched her life and her other movies and watched her filmography and then wrote about her, and I didn't... I think I only intended to kind of, you know, write about this terrible horror movie. 
but I ended up writing about her and developing a great deal of like sympathy and empathy uh, and compassion for her uh, and for what happened to her. The horrendous way she was just sort of chewed up and spat out by the by the movie industry, and she was way too young to have had that sort of like you know fame thrust upon her. Um, and so I, you know, something I, I didn't really expect to, to be anything turned into, I think that's my favorite thing I've ever written because of the developing sort of, uh, um, not just compassion that I had for her, but a, a real kind of anger, uh, that came through yeah. about what had happened to her and the course that her life took. And so it, it became a sort of real, um, passionate essay that's interesting because you know some people talk about when they're writing fictional characters the characters take on a life of their own yeah, for sure and take take them in directions they're not expecting it sounds like yeah. uh, uh miss lake was that for you yeah i mean I, after the essay came out it got a lot of attention among uh you know she's a film noir icon so people in the world of film noir took notice and i was uh, you know, invited to write a book about her, hooked up with a literary agent and a publisher, and they were like, you know, why don't you write a book about Veronica Lake? And I basically turned that down because I didn't want to spend another minute with Veronica Lake because she had a very unhappy short yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, it's it's the story of, you know, it's like Icarus, you know, like she touched the sun and then it was a prolonged was decline. Down from there. And there's no happy ending. There's no... There's no life lesson except don't drink, you know. So it wasn't something I wanted to spend any more time with. The essay was no, just enough. It's it's I'm smiling from ear to ear just because that experience sounds pretty remarkable in terms of just finding a topic that you want to talk about, that you want to write about. You intend to do one thing with it and it becomes something more and it's so impactful. Yeah. And even though it doesn't, you know, it it's not necessarily a negative experience, but it doesn't sound like the most positive experience, but it's still from your perspective, the, your favorite thing that you wrote. I think there's a whole lot of reasons probably. And one is, you know, I'm very concerned with sort of justice and there was a strong element of kind of injustice, you know, mm -hmm. to the way she was treated, the sexism she encountered, the, you know, the dismissal of her as a person and an actress. Um, and it wasn't like she was wildly talented, you know, but if she had had some, some actual mentoring and support instead of, you know, fighting her way through this ridiculous, you know, oppression. The system, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the studio basically, they made her a star and then they trash her immediately. She was just a commodity and um, it's it's pretty terrible what happened to her. But, uh, you know, people people carried the seeds of their own fate in them yeah. too. I mean, she, she had... A, very bad upbringing of terrible relationship with her mother, which, you know, that doesn't augur well for anyone. Well, luckily Hollywood's worked it out and they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Things are way better now for actresses. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being sarcastic because there's still a long way to go, obviously. And that's not something necessarily to joke about, but the year after Halle Berry won the best actress Academy award, the host was Steve Martin and he, said you know how how moving he found Halle Berry's Oscar and he said this is really a breakthrough in Hollywood for hot women oh. and they didn't laugh too hard but that was a pretty cutting 
cutting joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Okay, well, let's play a song. Buck Meek on WPRK. Can you repeat that? Buck Meek. Buck Meek. From his new album. It looks like Sit. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it Sit. Uh, again, happy birthday, Burt Reynolds. This is Cannonball on WPRK. Oh, nice. Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Let me take you back in time to episode 106 with Banks Helfrick. Actually, scratch that. Listen to that episode if you want, because Banks is funny and interesting. He's been performing in front of audiences forever as a storyteller and as, as an educator. He does some really incredible events around town. One is called Blackout Jumps. It's a combination of scripted and improvised vignettes with some talented local actors. That's at the Winter Park Library every other month and at Adlib Theater on February 15th. Also at the Winter Park Library, Banks hosts a monthly international film festival called Life Screenings. It's free. Many of the filmmakers are present to answer questions. All of the films are curated, and the theme is showing a world that we would want to live in. More info, bankshelfrick.com. That's B-A-N-K-S-H-E-L-F-R-I-C-H.com. Buck Meek on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida, the, from the brand new album Sit. That was Cannonball. Good morning. My name is Nick. Uh, Cannonball Run was a favorite movie of mine as a kid. Uh, Burt Reynolds' birthday is today. Happy birthday, Burt. Happy birthday, Burt. Eddie Silver is my special guest, but uh, it is time to go, Eddie. So let's talk a little bit more about Pachacacha, Orlando, Volume 25. Great. Coming up on February 23rd. Dr. Phillips Center. Dr. Phillips Center is also where you can get tickets. You can buy your tickets right now and get some good right seats now. for that. Right Fact. now. Like, yeah. 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 Go do it. Safely. Go do it safely if you're in a car. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've been talking about the speakers all day. And if you missed any of the show, please visit com or subscribe on the iTunes and the Google Play and all those places, and you can listen to more about it. But we do have a couple more speakers. Without giving too much away, Eddie's been sharing a little bit of the stories of the speakers and what they're going to be talking about. So we have, yeah, we have nine speakers this time. That's um, a little more than usual. And so it's a crowded program, a lot of great people. We haven't talked about uh, Tawi Sugasawa, who is going to talk about how she grew up in Brazil and encountered incredible racism there because um, her father is Brazilian, but her mother is Japanese. And mm. so as a Japanese girl, she was, um, you know, bullied and ostracized and found it very tough. And how coming to Orlando allowed her to kind of get away from racism and be herself and just be valued for who she is rather than, you know, have to deal with that. So that's, it's a very inspiring, very interesting story. It's a window into something you, you know, again, that you didn't know was there. Um, because, you know, we think about racism in our own country and how that looks, but, of course, there's racism in every country and mm-hmm. against any group. Pick a group, you know. And then uh, another speaker I'm really excited about is Jennifer Felder-Smith. Jennifer uh, actually came to me with her idea um, to talk about the different ways that women disempower themselves, um, particularly at work, doing things like, let's say, apologizing for their idea before they've even expressed it 
and how to stop doing that kind of thing, how to take your power. Oh, nice. Not just women, but everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take your power back. Right. So very inspiring. You know, they're, they're uplifting talks. They're, they're people, you know, who have actually grappled with difficult issues and found a way through them. And it's always great to hear people talk about that kind of thing. That'll be a good, good program. Uh, so again, February 23rd, 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock, two shows. Um, and the, I, I have to say the great thing about our 9 o'clock show, we were talking about it earlier, how yeah. everybody's a lot more chill um, once they've been through it. But also the, uh, there's an after party nearby. We'll tell you about it when you're there. And <laughs> you can meet the speakers at the after party after the second show. Everyone's very relaxed. That's a lot of fun. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, and I would be remiss. Obviously, this is a great event for Orlando, and a lot of people recognize that. You have a sponsor in Rollins College. Right here, the Hamilton, the Hamilton Holt, Holt School, School. Yeah. is sponsoring this event. Yeah. yeah Very so the, grateful for that support. Uh, so a continuing education uh, part of Rollins College. Uh, you can go back and get your uh, bachelor's degree and attend different um, uh, bachelor's. Uh, fields, I should say, or you can get a master's degree uh, there as well. So continuing education is a big part of that. And Pachacacha is in a way continuing part education. Part of continuing education, yeah. yeah. Those sorts of things, going to see a speaker, going to see Pachacacha uh, is very important. Yeah, occasionally I get invited by um, Dr. Martha Cheng here in the speech department, mm-hmm. English department, to talk to her speech students about the art of public speaking, and that's always really fun. Yeah, Young people are are really a lot of fun to talk to because they're, you know, they're eager to, you know, find out how do you do this stuff. Do you feel like, have you been working with uh, people because you've done public speaking, consulting and writing for a long time. Um, Have you worked with uh, a younger set for a long time, sort of in this going to a classroom, that sort of thing? I mean, it's really, I've I've worked with all age ranges and every, every age has its different issues, you know, I think. Um, Do you feel that, I I don't want to stereotype by any means, but is there a difference in this generation in terms of public speaking versus prior generations where I was horrified by the idea of public speaking? I think that's most young people. Okay. They're, you know, they're, they're shy, they're self-conscious, they're just coming out of their gawky cold phase, you know, and the idea of getting up in front of people is, is terrifying. And of course, you know, public speaking is terrifying. Uh, at first, like skydiving or, you know, anything else. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something you can learn to do. It, you know, it's funny because the first time I ever spoke, you know, quote unquote in public, I could hear my own voice shake and I could feel my knees knocking. I thought that was like a cliche, but no, my, my knees were actually kind of vibrating, you know, and I was terrified, dry mouth, you know, very oh my, scary. Yeah. And now I get up in front of 500 people and I don't have a script and I just say whatever because I've done it so much that I, I'm comfortable doing it. Yeah, the only way to cure it is to keep doing it. Right, like anything else. Speaking of which, I'm going to keep rolling out with typewriters on different events. And so I'll have one at Foxtail Coffee on February 14th, which I understand is a holiday of some kind. I believe it's Valentine's Day. So I'll be writing your Valentine's for you. For you. That's a great yeah. idea. So you can just sign it and give it to the person. 
I'll be doing them for uh, your your love interests, for your frenemies, for your full-on enemies. Those are typically my favorite ones to write, and so on. We're also having a typewriter meetup at the Nook at 5 o'clock next Saturday. And so if you have a typewriter, bring it. We'll have some activities. We'll have some extra typewriters. Please come out and do that. Where is the Nook, Nick? On Robinson in the Milk District. Ah. Yeah. That sounds like a fun event. It is. It will be a fun event. Is your typewriter, can I ask you, is it manual or electric? I have both. Uh Uh-huh. I have both. I'm just starting to get into the electric ones because I don't like, obviously, the idea that I can't just take it out and start typing. I have to be able Mm. to plug it in. Yeah. But there's something to... They're faster, though. Much faster. And then I just got one with a power return. Oh, isn't that the best? Oh, my goodness. Just one pinky swipe and ding. Almost violent. Yes. I got this great video of my cat being scared of it, but keep coming back every time I hit it. Um, And then I've got a guest coming up, Rye Perry, from the What's the Fuss podcast next week. An artist. She's really cool. I hope this translates to radio. Kelly Joy Ladd. On the 25th. Eddie, I have to release you back out into the wild. I'm ready to go. Okay. Anything else you want to add real quick? No, I just thank you for having me. Thanks for talking to me. It was oh a very gosh. quick two hours. It was. Yeah, it, it went was. by like that. Yeah. Joy to talk to. Same here. I am. Oh, Wait, what? you meant yourself. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 It's true. You are. Okay. Thank you. Eddie Silver. Uh, let's shake on All right. the radio. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. This seems natural. Uh, you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. We're going to end it with the Bahamas from their new album, Earth Tones. This is Way with Words. Perfect. Which makes sense for Pachacacha. Have a great day. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to a certain degree. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends about how awesome this podcast was. Subscribe to the show wherever you subscribe to them. Follow, like, do all those things. And check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com for other episodes. If you have a chance and you want to learn more about Eddie and Pachakacha, I would encourage you to look up his TED Talk about how it all got started for him. It's a really, really good story from a really good storyteller. Thanks for listening. You are my everything. That's a lot of pressure. You're you're some of my things.